Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is Friday, November 25th, 2022. The weather today will be a high of 5 degrees in Edmonton, 5 degrees in Saskatoon, and 6 degrees in Toronto. What's it going to be in Calgary? I'm going to be in Calgary today and tomorrow. No one cares. Whoa. Just kidding. Not about you. I just... The weather. It's just a bad joke. I'm sorry. About Calgary? (laughs) It's a bad joke. I'm watching all the listeners sign off. (laughs) It's a bad joke. Oh my gosh. Eight degrees in Calgary. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah. So I don't need to bring my toque. You do not. What's, what are you pointing at? Well, Saturday is going to be three. Uh, She's pointing at the Black Friday ads on the weather app. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. Should we do a Black Friday sale? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, good morning, everybody. We're broadcasting live as we do every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Mountain Time on the Podbean app. If you want to listen in live, go download the app Podbean, search up the Real Estate Investing Morning Show, and join in on the fun. Once at 6 o'clock, you'll get a notification saying that we're live, and you can get in on the chat, seeing everybody saying good morning here and hello. Uh, there's a little Real Estate Investor community. And uh, also, there's a call-in button. You click the call-in button, and you can ask any questions you want about real estate investing for free, every day, free coaching. What are you giggling at now? I just, I love when Space Matt comes in and says, good morning, Earthlings. (laughs) (laughs) It just makes my day. (laughs) Makes me smile. He he made my day on on last Saturday when we did the... uh, the boot camp, just yeah, just watching him floating around in space. Um, yeah, it just lightened up the day a little bit. I mean, it was fun, it was exciting, real estate investing, yay! But it was also fun watching him float in space. <laughs> uh, how's everybody doing today? We looks like we got lots of people coming in here, not as much as normal, but lots. Yeah, why are y'all? Yeah, sleeping in for Black Friday. <laughs> Maybe they're out shopping in lineups. Did I miss a joke? No. Okay. Sorry. You're like, okay. Hey. (laughs) Oh, you just keep that like just beside you in case you ever need to whip out a harmonica. I just, I have props. Yeah, I have props. Just in case I have nothing to talk about. I'll just give it a little toot toot. (laughs) Or if Carlos is ever, um, you know, driving the train and calls in, then I can just call him at the same time and go, oh, wrong one. You don't keep a harmonica? No, I don't. Hmm. I don't, I don't. How loud was that on the other end? I bet it was super loud. Yeah, they're fine. <clears throat> okay, good morning to everybody. Uh, we got to talk about Top Fan. We always forget Top Fan. We always forget to talk about the Top Fan until the end of the month. Uh, when it's Oh, like, you worried me. I was like, is it the end of the month already? No, it's next week next week uh today we got uh who do we got joining us today we have uh garrett calling everybody lazy bitches 
Good morning, Garrett. <laughs> Somebody get him a cup of coffee. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I didn't mean to say okay, that. So, I don't know. <laughs> is that Garrett Volden? Yeah. Garrett, Garrett joins Masters Mentorship, and suddenly he's just better than everybody. <laughs> morning, you lazy fuckers. <laughs> you getting ready to take some action? Oh, my God. I'm crying. Uh... <laughs> you ever okay. see you ever see those 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 youtube videos or those uh those those, those instagram videos where it's like one week being in master's mentorship two weeks being in master's mentorship three weeks being in master's mentorship good morning fuckers <laughs> okay good morning kyle good morning uh josh Good morning, Nathan. Good morning, Amanda. How you doing, David? Uh, hey, Al Ray. Al, I did a I did a podcast with Al Ray yesterday. You he did? didn't post about it though. Apparently, I don't know. Must not have been very good. The darn Al Roy. <laughs> don't call him Al Roy. Chris is here. Matt's here. Coming all the way from the stratosphere. Uh, Eric is here. John, I don't recognize John, but good morning, John. John, is this your first time? I can't get it together. <laughs> Sean's here. Kirsten's here. Good morning, everybody. Cody, good morning. Oh, boy. Chastin, good morning. Okay. Hey, so let's talk about Top Fan just for a real quick second here while Gabby um, uh, wipes the tears from her eyes. <clears throat> Oh, John's been here for the past three days now. Sorry we missed you. You must have been sneaking in the back of the room. Well, thanks for joining in live. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Thanks, Liam's man. friend, JD, 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 JDP. JDP? JD, JPD? The real, the real, uh, <clears throat> the, the real, real JD. The JDP. real JDP? Yeah. Would you please stand up? <laughs> I knew it. I got it. Good morning, John. I know who you are. <laughs> Top fan of the month is a contest we do every month that we forget to talk about um, where whoever has, wow, it's a good contest. It's a great contest. It's the best. It's the best good, contest. Good okay. So <laughs> when you join in live to the show, uh, when you click that heart, when you share the show through the app, when you call in, um, what you're going to notice on the right side of your app there, you see a bunch of hearts accumulating. Okay. So whenever you click the heart, you get a heart. Whenever you share the show, you get a heart. And just like whenever you engage with the show, you accumulate hearts. And so what we do is we want to reward the, the top fan, the one who engages the most. So what we do is um, at the end of the month, we take the top five listeners who have the most hearts and we give everybody a ballot and we do a draw. So first place gets five ballots, fourth, uh, second place gets four ballots, uh, third place gets three ballots, fourth place gets two ballots, and fifth place gets one ballot. And we throw them all into a very vintage real estate investor dad coffee mug, and we pull it out on the first of every month. The winner gets two free coaching calls, two free one-on-one -on -one coaching calls with me. So um, it definitely pays to, to, to join in live every day. Um, I mean, that each coaching call is worth $250. So you have the opportunity to win $500 worth of coaching calls. And all you got to do is just join in live. 
pretty sweet. And it's not like I'm tr- like trying to dangle a carrot for you. I mean, like you're going to get other value too. You get to show up. You got a community of other real estate investors, you know, supporting you and 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 patting you on the back virtually. Um, you can also ask any question that you want about real estate investing for free. Get them answered and take action that day. So I think it's just an added bonus, little incentive. And if I gotta if I gotta dangle the carrot just a little bit, just to kind of help someone wake up a little bit earlier to better themselves, huh, I don't mind. Um, yeah. So uh, today is the what the twenty fifth. So that means we'll be the last day. We'll be next Wednesday. We'll be doing the draw next Thursday. So keep smashing those hearts. Sharing the show. Uh, El Ray. El Ray says, I really wanted to. We ran overtime and had to rush down downtown. Really wish I had the photo of us. Or I got a photo of us. Yeah, uh, it, we we were recording for about two hours. We got about an hour and a half worth of interview. Nice. Yeah, it was really good. I think at least. It's been a while since I've done one. So I don't know. It could have been garbage. <laughs> I'm curious to see when that gets out. Um, okay, what else we got going on in the comments? Absolutely nothing. Josh says good morning. Okay, cool. Uh, how about we take a quick little break and uh, and uh, we'll get back into things. And, and guys, if you got questions, put them in the comments. Okay, see you soon. Some of you might have heard us talking about DCI Properties and how much we like their process and deal flow as one of the premier wholesaling companies in Canada. But one of the things most people don't know about DCI properties is that they don't cherry pick deals for themselves. Everything they get under contract, they offer out to their buyers list. That's right. No sloppy seconds from no DCI. No sloppy seconds. So if you're an investor looking for their next flip project or cash flowing rental property, get on their buyers list today and check out their inventory. To get on the list for Alberta deals, visit www.dciproperties.ca slash Alberta buyers. Or for Ontario deals, go to www.dciproperties.ca slash buyers. Okay, and we are back. Uh, no upcoming events as of right now, except for the REA Masters exclusive workshop on December 10th. Um, for those of you guys that are in the mentorship program, we have the Building Your Roadmap workshop on December 10th. It's an all-day workshop where we're going to be <clears throat> helping everyone um, reverse engineer their goals and to determine a roadmap to get to where they want to be using real estate investing. Um, it is like the foundation of what REI Masters Mentorship Program is built off of. So one of the most important uh, workshops that we'll be doing. Yeah. Um, uh, so for the Masters, I mentioned this last night during our coaching call. Please, please, if you have something already booked on the 10th, cancel it make sure you're there and if you guys you know are not in the master's mentorship program and you want to get involved in it and you think this is the greatest the great opportunity the perfect time for it it is so mm-hmm. december 10th that's uh, what we got coming up here otherwise uh nothing until january um planning a um a boot camp for january just finalizing the details uh, we'll announce it once it's ready but i think january we're going to be doing a boot camp for buying your first real estate investment property uh, big success from this last boot camp last weekend. Mm-hmm. I want to keep that uh, that train rolling. So yeah, for sure. Um, it, it was tough. It was tough doing that boot camp last weekend, and then uh, there's just like it's hard to put a filter on and only focus on what we needed to focus on. Yeah. But like you know me in the morning show, like I I can't I can't just give basics. 
because uh, there's there's so much more there's so much that depends you know what I mean you can't just say buy rental property like there's there's so many other little nuances that, that are involved with making the decisions and stuff like that that's why we're doing the workshop next next yeah. next month about like you know building your roadmap there's so many things that you know to consider but um I want to go more in depth on buying your first property and we're going to have a mortgage broker. We're going to have a lawyer. We're going to have a home inspector. We're going to have um, everyone that's involved. Realtor, realtor probably. (laughs) Um, And then go through the whole process of buying your first property. So that way, like if, if you are, if it is a little daunting and a little intimidating, you know, to buy your first one and you're a little scared to pull that trigger and just wondering what's going to happen, what you could possibly find, what could possibly go wrong, those types of things. Um, having the experts come on and do a presentation of each of their craft and then us walking you through the process, hopefully will give you that confidence to buy your first property or maybe your second. Maybe maybe the first property that you bought was actually just your home and then you turn it into a rental property, but you've never bought an investment property. And it is a little bit different, right? Yeah, for sure. I guess it, it'll be buying your first investment property. That's what I said. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you said your first property might have been your home. I had to backtrack there. Uh, Matt's got a question. Um, and we got some leftover questions from uh, last week. I was just looking at. <clears throat> Let's uh, take a peek at uh, Matt's question. In here? Oh, okay. I thought you were doing that one. Is there a wraparound mortgage option in Canada? It's my understanding that we just tack on a couple more, more percent to the original mortgage and continue to pay. This is an American sub two. Hmm. I'm not familiar with the wraparound mortgage, or at least the term. We don't know. Yeah, to be completely honest, I'm not familiar with the term wraparound mortgage. Can you hear me clicking? It, like, I'm, I'm wondering if it's something I've heard before, but I just don't recognize it by the term. Okay, let's uh, let's check it around here. Uh, a wraparound mortgage, more commonly known as a wrap, is a form of secondary financing for the purchase of real property. The seller extends to the buyer a junior mortgage, which wraps around and exists in addition to any superior mortgages already secured by the property. Um, I'm willing to say that I am 95% sure that that is not an option in Canada because um, I've never heard of it. Um, there's so many little different things that you can do in the States and that don't apply here. And that might be one of those things about why the agreement for sale was used here as opposed to, um, that, um, a lot of people ask about subject to, um, financing, um, or subject to agreements, but you can't use those in Canada either. They don't really work. Um, the seller maintains their original loan and allows the buyer to wrap seller financing around it. The buyer makes payments directly to the seller who then uses part of the money to make their original mortgage payments. A wraparound mortgage was widely used back in the early 1980s when interest rates were into the double digits. 
it basically takes the existing mortgage on a property, which potentially has an interest rate below current market rates, and allows the new home buyer to assume that mortgage at a slightly higher rate, but still lower the, than the current market. Okay, yeah, it's like it's it's same same as what like an agreement for sale does. Yeah. So yeah, I just need to be sure. I, I that's what I thought, but I I haven't. Sounds like it. <clears throat> so yeah, very similar to uh, that. Sounds like more of a yeah. So the agreements for sale offer the same function. Yeah. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, go take Barry McGuire's agreement for sale course. Yeah. For sure. Perfect. Okay. Uh, there's another question here. Do, 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 do. Sean asks, could you explain wholesaling a bit? Hmm. Yes. Just like one of those things, like I kind of wish I had one of like my masters here, like who does wholesaling that can explain this and like hop on. But all of my wholesaling masters are isn't, sleeping in. Isn't Matt here? Matt Lachere? Lachere? I don't know. I don't see him. thought I saw him. Matt Lachere, you want to pop on, buddy? Have you got your morning He's voice? He's a wholesaling genius. Master. <laughs> Thanks what? for that. Thanks for that branding misstep there, Gabby. <laughs> Why don't you tell him he's like so ignited? <laughs> he's fearless. <laughs> you know the purpose oh of branding, god. Gabby? Oh my god. It's it's not to use other people's branding when you're referring to your own mentees. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Matt's good. <laughs> Matt's really great. I'm actually. just saying he takes wholesaling like next level. Oh, hundred like, percent. He's not just your your regular neighborhood wholesaler. Uh, <laughs> like he's doing crazy things. Hundred percent. I remember the first time I had a coaching call with Matt um, a year or two ago. It was last year, two years ago, something like that. And like what he did afterwards from that coaching call, I'm not taking credit for that, but like. The deals that he did remotely in Calgary or at camp, you know, in New Brunswick, was just freaking phenomenal. Yeah. He's doing amazing, yeah. I guess he doesn't want to uh, join us. <clears throat> okay, so wholesaling. Wholesaling is the selling of – well, I mean, wholesaling in general is, is a very um, general term, if you think about it. Buying things at a, you know, a low price, at a wholesale price, and selling them for profit, right? That's what Costco is all about. They buy in large, large bulk – and then they sell in bulk at you know wholesale prices. Um, you know you go to wholesale distributors for tools and and um, materials and supplies and stuff like that, um, and you buy in bulk and you get better prices. So wholesaling with real estate though is the buying of and selling of purchase contracts. Okay, so you don't necessarily close on a property. So it's not like flipping where you'd have to buy a property, get financing or buy all cash, transfer title into your name and then sell it for more the next day. Cause that's a very long and costly process of, you know, transacting on property, you know what I mean? Actually closing on it, having all the money to, to purchase it. You know, like I said, cash or financing and then to have it under your name and title and then sell it to someone else for $10,000 more. It's not really worth it. What you can do, though, is you can sell the purchase contract. So when you go and um, originally approach that 
seller and say, hey, I'd like to buy your property for $290,000. And they agree to it. And you have a signed conditional purchase contract, just like every, any, every normal, like anytime you buy a home or anytime you buy an investment property, you sign a normal purchase contract for whatever your province is that says that I will buy this property and that you have two weeks conditions to do a home inspection or lawyer approval or uh, financing approval. Now, during that two-week condition period, um, you know, you go and call up Gabby and say, hey, Gabby, I know that you're looking for a property just like this in this neighborhood. I'll sell it to you for $300,000. Or I'll sell it to you for two dollars I'll give you, <clears throat> excuse me, I will sell you my $290,000 contract that I have here for $10,000. Okay. And that's what's called the assignment fee. I will assign my interest in this contract. I will scratch off my name and put your name for $10,000. And the cool thing is, is that you, in, it, well, especially in Alberta, um, all contracts, all real estate contracts are assignable. Now there's some different rules in different provinces, but mo it still works in all provinces, right? It, sometimes you have to add a little disclaimer or clause that says you can assign it. But in Alberta, at the very least, all real estate contracts are assignable. A seller cannot prevent it from happening. So if Gabby agrees, um, there's two ways you can do it. You can either cross off your name and put Gabby's name and put an initial next to it. Gabby gives you $10,000 and now the contract is hers. Now she needs to fulfill the obligations of that contract. It's been assigned to her. So she can remove conditions. She can purchase that property. And let's say Matt, as the wholesaler, never had to own the property. All he did was just locked up a contract. So if Matt's really good at finding deals, right, and negotiating and finding other investors, you know, the types of properties that they want for the prices that they want, Matt can make some quick and easy cash just doing what he's good at, locking up properties, getting them under contract, and then selling the contract to someone else for a consideration, right? Mm -hmm. Normal wholesale fees are anywhere from five to $10,000. They could be less. They could be more. It depends on the deal, how good the deal is. It's great for Gabby because Gabby got her $290,000 property or $300,000 property um, that she wanted. And she didn't have to go out and, you know, hunt for deals on her own because she's busy. So wholesaling is pretty great. Um, that That's it in a nutshell, I, in its simplest explanation. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, investors and a lot of educators say that wholesaling is it's great for someone who's getting started in real estate that doesn't have any money. Because you don't need any money other than like a deposit money. You don't really need any money to get started. You just need to lock up contracts, secure contracts, and then sell them for, for a profit, right? And if at the end of the two weeks, Gabby says no and everybody else at Matt says no, um, to, sorry, everybody else says no to Matt, then Matt just goes back to the seller and says, hey, I'm not going to be removing conditions. And then he gets his deposit back and he moves on. Yeah. It's very simple. So he has, in a lot of cases, two weeks during that conditions period to assign his interests in that property. If he doesn't, then he just doesn't close on it. Or he can close on it. If he still thinks it's a really great deal, he can close on it and he could buy it himself or he can close on it. And then, you know, if Gabby's like dragging her feet and like doesn't quite have the money, but she'll have the money in four weeks or something like that, he might close on it, get some private money, some a bridge loan or a, you know, um, short-term financing just to kind of hold on to it for a little bit longer and then Gabby can buy it off of him. Um, a normal traditional transaction mm -hmm. as opposed to just a wholesale transaction. Yep. Um, Joey has a follow-up question to that. 
do you put the assignment fee do you put the assignment fee on the purchase <clears throat> price or is there a separate contract um lots of different ways you can do it actually not lots um a couple just a, a few um one way to do it is to do a one-page assignment contract and which joey asked okay. and joey there's a one-page assignment contract in the in the master's vault um plus obviously the wholesaling course that barry mcguire has that gave you access to um is a one-page assignment contract says i matt leisure, leisure assigned my interest in contract number abc123 to joey critch in consideration of ten thousand dollars and then it just goes all the all, all the details of the property and then both people sign like very simple one page and that assignment contract now becomes part of the original real estate purchase contract so that's one way to do it another way to do it is like i said earlier you can cross off the name and then put your name next to it all three parties initial and it's good it's just a revision on the contract the original contract so cross off Matt, put Joey, all three people put their initials next to it. It's good. It's clean. The last option is like you said, where he would have one other, he would create his own real estate purchase contract from Matt to Joey. Because now that Matt has an interest in the property, he has a beneficial interest, in the, not a benefit, sorry. Uh, what's, is it beneficial? I'm brain dead beneficial interest in the property because he because he has that um that contract signed he technically has a beneficial interest in the property um he can sell the property i know that doesn't make much sense because he hasn't closed on it yet but he can write a separate purchase contract to joey for three hundred thousand dollars but what it, what they end up doing is they do a double close meaning on the the day of closing the original seller will sell to matt at like noon and then at one o'clock it quickly gets sold directly to joey so some money needs to be it, it depends on the on the deal it depends on how it's structured and you got to talk to your lawyer about this double closes um aren't always that simple sometimes um matt might need to secure some short-term financing for like an hour or two hours like a like just to bridge the 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 transaction might have to call someone like, can I borrow three hundred or two hundred ninety thousand dollars for a day because I need to transfer that money over to the seller because the seller will not release title to me until the money is transferred and I've I've completed the transaction and the only way I can get that title over to Joey and Joey feels comfortable transferring money to me is if the title is 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 cleared right a little bit complicated into the wholesaling but um, would Matt and Joey need separate lawyers. They would 100% need separate lawyers. Yep. It was a question. In the yep. They would need separate lawyers. Um, the double close is, you know, I always thought the double close would be the easiest. I'm like, oh, we just close simultaneously. But then one time, I can't remember why it happened. One time we found out at like an hour before our meeting, an hour before the meeting that, hey, bring a check for this much money. I'm like, I'm not bringing a check. And they're like, yeah, you need to bring a check for like, I don't know, it was like $150,000. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, if it's a double close, you need to bring cash. I'm like, thankfully I had it. But if I was like a new wholesaler to find that out, you know, last minute, um, and I don't remember the circumstances of why I needed to, 
yeah, explained it to me, but yeah, it was um, it was because of how the lawyer on the other end requested the um, information. Mm. So your lawyer can only do so much. They can say, "Hey, here's the contract. Here's where we're going to close." Blah 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 blah. But then they receive instructions from the selling lawyer, like usually a, a couple days before closing. Mm-hmm. Like it happens, like right at the end there, <clears throat> saying, "You know, this is what we request. This is what we need." Um, have it, you know, ready for us. And then they need to go, oh, shoot. Okay. They want it done this way. Right. So, and then you're, I mean, could they go back and say, well, look, like, here's what we, how we're hoping that this is going to go. But at the end of the day, it's what, it's how the selling realtor wants it to go down. Um, <clears throat> yes, because you can do up a contract or like an affidavit that says, um, don't worry, the money will come, but please transfer title first. That's essentially because um, yeah. the seller does not want to release title to you and until they know the money is in their hands, right? Now, even though it's through lawyers and there's trust and there's ethics and stuff like that, it really depends on the seller. But if, if, you, if they're comfortable with you signing an affidavit saying that the money is coming, but you need to release title to us first, and then after you release title to us, we will have the money in a couple hours then you can do it that way. The double close does not require any financing. But if it's strangers, yeah, then it's a little bit more difficult. If it was just like you and some friends that you knew or some colleagues, then it's not that bad. Or again, like we always talk about the importance of um, obtaining lawyers who know what they're what they're doing and are yes. familiar. And this, like the seller's not going to go and, f- and seek out a specific lawyer for your double close and your wholesale. No, mm-hmm. like they're just selling their property. Yeah. A lot of the time they don't even realize that it's being wholesaled. So if their lawyer is like, what is this that you're doing? I don't like, no, I will not just, you know, t- t- uh, transfer title without having money in my hand. Like, mm-hmm. are you crazy? Um, I'm protecting my bi- my seller here. You know, rightfully so. But if it was a lawyer on the other end who's done a whole, who knows exactly what's going on. Oh, yeah, they're wholesaling this. Okay, double close. They're going to have the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no problem. Then it would go a lot more smooth. So mm-hmm. it just, you, you're, but unfortunately, you just don't know until you get there. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not the ideal approach, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Johnny uh, had said it would be hard to hit the two-week close date with traditional financing, wouldn't it be? Um, I, I think I changed traditional to conventional. Um, but yeah, uh, conventional financing, like your A-lenders, um, they won't be able to meet those deadlines. Did you say two weeks closing or two weeks conditions? Two weeks conditions. Uh, I guess it de- would depend on... Well, oh, yeah. Okay. It would depend on the closing date after that. But even getting an approval, a yeah. pre-approval... To remove pre- conditions, yeah. Uh, sorry, or a commitment letter to remove conditions would be very difficult. That's why it's it's kind of hard with wholesaling because you almost need to like have your buyer lined up in the first two to three days of that two weeks because they need to automatically go and get financing approval right after that. And yeah. these days it takes really long. And most wholesalers aren't going to want to wait around to see if you're going to be able to remove that financing condition. They just exactly. want to wholesale it to whoever says, yeah, okay, take it, remove conditions. It's mine. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I mean if you're buying properties and not planning on like flipping or burying them it is a little bit more difficult. Uh it works really well for flips, burrs, multifamily um because it's just a lo- like 
well, for multifamily, obviously, you are getting much longer periods for um, conditions. Mm -hmm. Also, with fix and flips and burrs on residential, uh, you're normally using private financing, like private lenders. Um, so it's it's like you can get approvals from private lenders significantly faster than yeah. from like TD Canada Trust. Yeah. So. Um, or you might have just a private lender in your back pocket that does deals with you all day long. And or you, you might have your own cash, your right? Or your own cash, yeah. Just to close quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of li little things that like that that can make wholesaling complicated. Um, I'm sure if if they haven't been put in the comments, someone's going to put them in the comments afterwards about just like um, I just had a thought, but I know I completely forgot it. Oh, uh, a lenders, um, they don't like wholesale contracts. Yeah, is another one. They want, they want, just want the contract in your name. They don't want to see a separate contract. They don't want to see any names crossed out. They well, yeah, because yeah. they don't, they don't want to see that you're buying a property for two ninety. But what's this? What's this? Why is it say three hundred here? Why? Yeah. What's this extra ten thousand dollars? They don't want to finance that extra ten thousand dollars. They want you to come up with the ten thousand, and they yeah. don't. So they want a nice, clean contract. So yeah. wholesaling can be a little difficult in that respect. But obviously, just take a course, take a wholesaling course. Um, and, and you'll learn all these little different things to, to work around and how to work around them. Um, and then just do your first deal as well, obviously. Mm -hmm. it, it, the best way to learn things is to take a course and to do, right? Taking yeah. action is the best way. We, we, um, we don't have like a wholesaling business, but we passively wholesale properties when we um, – decide not to kind of like take them on. I do a, a handful and, or a couple handfuls every year. Yeah. And I think that every time we do it, just like some little random thing, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That didn't happen last time. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so constantly learning and yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it does go really smooth though. It's just, yeah. I, I, I get asked a lot. Like, well, I get asked a lot about why I do things and why I don't do things. That's, you know, because like, well, this is so good. How come you don't do it? That's like very commonly. Why do you do things and why don't you do these other things? And so when I get asked about why you don't do wholesaling, well, I don't have the time. Yeah. It's a active. very, it's a very active business. Um, but I still bring in quite a bit in wholesale fees every year just from just doing business. You know what I mean? When you do business and you see an opportunity, and you can see, and you know lots of people, you're very resourceful and you have a good network. I'm like, oh, this could be a really good deal for this person. I'll just give it to them for five or 10 grand. Yeah. Right. And so when you have a good network and when you can recognize opportunities just in passing without really trying, um, you can make lots of money in wholesale fees. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a, uh, an active wholesaler. Um, it's, just one of the, it's just one of the perks of getting better. It's one of the perks of like just like taking action, building a business, and you when it, with it more with more experience, you get you find opportunities. You just find them significantly easier than other people, and people come to you with opportunities on a regular basis. Hey, I found this deal. Would you be interested? Yeah, sure. And then I'm instantly when I'm looking at it really quickly, I analyze it. I'm like, okay, this person would be perfect for it. Yeah, grow your damn network. Grow your damn network, and grow your brand to be the type of person that people come to when there's opportunities. Mm -hmm. I I. I get so many DMs 
so many. And a lot of them, I just say, Hey, no time. Sorry. Um, but if there's an opportunity for me to be able to make a quick buck where it's not going to take, I don't have to go spend three hours on the phone. Yeah, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Right. It just depends on how much time is going to be, uh, involved in it. Uh, Don here says we bought a foreclosure from a wholesaler a number of years ago. We put all the money in for the other person to close. And two weeks later we got title. We got possession when, when he got the keys. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, if, if you have the, the cash to do it that way, you can absolutely just, um, like give the, the in, initial, I guess the wholesaler a little private mortgage to close on mm -hmm. and then get that title transfer over after. Yeah, for sure. Lots of ways to go about it. Yeah. I mean, it just depends on how creative you want to be. And what your resources are. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Like any deal can be done. Anything can be done as long as it's like, as long as you're not going against um, tax laws and mortgage laws. Yeah. Right. And find yourself a creative lawyer who you can call and say, can we make this happen? I say, well, yeah, we just do it this way and that. And then after that, we'll do this. It really is that simple. But, you know, you, it's just so long as all parties are in agreement, yeah. anything can be done. As, again, as long as you're not going against any tax laws or mortgage laws, anything can be done. Anything can be written on a napkin or not written at all, as long as both parties are in agreement. The mm -hmm. contracts are what prevent people, for, or sorry, are for there for when people don't do what they're supposed to do. And you need to take it to court. But anything could be done. Like, you know, agreement for sale. If you think about it, it's like, who came up with this shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. Who came up with this? Who came up with this large contract that basically said you can do this? And it could have been written anyway. You could probably write a wraparound mortgage or something like that and, and suddenly say, yes, we're doing this. And as long as both parties agreed to, the, to doing it, then great. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of other things that need to, to also happen. And, and that is lawyers need to understand it. A contract needs to be in place that, ex that protects you legally. Right. And then it needs to, it can't contradict with existing provincial real estate tax, real estate law or tax law. Mm -hmm. So there are existing laws, real estate law, tax law, mortgage law. You need to make sure it does, the contract does not contradict with those existing, um, laws. So that's why agreement for sale works because it works with the existing laws. When you talk about subject to financing that in the States, you know, um, Rod, uh, Ron, Ron, yeah, Legrand. Ron Legrand came to Canada, you know, decades ago and was teaching this, but like people were trying to do it, but it wasn't working here. And so Barry McGuire got involved and he hosted one of uh, their events in Edmonton and they were, you know, they had Barry kind of speak as the, as the legal expert. Well, I, I, the way that Barry describes it is his job was to kind of like sit in the corner and any time that Ron said something that didn't apply to Canadian law, Barry would be like, well, actually Ron. <laughs> so it was, it was shortly after that, that he, he started teaching agreements for sale mm -hmm. and, and, gave a Canadian solution or a Canadian alternative that was okay based on Canadian real estate law mm -hmm. or provincial real estate law. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where it kind of stemmed from. That's where the education started um, was from, from Barry McGuire. Um, Cause I remember if I recall Barry McGuire, uh, Andrew Workington, uh, Neil Taniguchi, yeah. um, they all kind of took Ron the Grand's thing. Yeah. Um, 
and then uh, and then Barry started teaching it. Yeah. Right. So, um, and 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 that, obviously that's that's big. Like Saskatchewan's been doing it for a while. Like you know Saskatchewan seems to know a lot about it, but the other provinces are like they're still kind of behind because it just hasn't made its way there. Like not enough lawyers understand it. That was the other thing I said earlier, right? Lawyers need to understand it. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're, there's only one lawyer in Ontario that understands it, but he loves it. That's great. You're going to use that lawyer, but who do you send your seller to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're, if your seller's not, uh, if your seller isn't represented properly and they don't understand what this contract is, they're going to be like, I don't know. It's just, I've never seen this before. It's, it's going to be a deal killer. Indeed. Change of topic? Sure. <laughs> uh, Chris asked, uh, where do we get 40-year amortizations? Nowhere. And then he posted a link. I'm just scrolling up, uh, which is firstfoundation.ca slash mortgage slash 40-year-mortgage. I can't click on it because it just doesn't let you in. Popping. I'm, I'm going to try, but if I get, if I get a virus... <laughs> Um, I can't, I, I passed it earlier, but if everybody can just be patient, I will, uh, I will find it. Seriously though, it's, it's in here, right? Yep. How far back? Not very. I can read it off to you. Oh, there it is. All right, please hold. Um, do you have any music to play for them? <laughs> what? Did you go to this website, Chris? <laughs> can't see it <laughs> literally it's okay so you got the big banner up top it says 40 year amortization and then right below that note in big bold letters 40 year amortizations are no longer available in canada the information below is maintained for historic purposes <laughs> <laughs> oh okay he, he says right here you can't it was historic <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, 25 year amortization periods or lower are standard as of mid 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was fun. That's that. <laughs> Worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 30 years, the highest right now. Um, 2010, 2012 was when that changed. But yeah. You used to be able to get like 0% mortgages, um, 0% down, but you pay like, you pay like six or 7% interest. Can you remember that? Does anyone remember that? You used to be able to get a personal mortgage, primary residence mortgage, for zero percent down at like six and a half, seven percent interest. Interesting. Yeah, considering today's interest rates, yeah, it's like everyone's like, "Oh, it's terrible." You got no money going towards the principal. Yeah, I know a couple people that did that though, and they refinanced a few years later, and uh, I think you had to stay with it for the full five years. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you refinance it later down to a lower interest rate and you're laughing, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was was pretty interesting. And then as well, I remember, you know, 15 years ago, you could get 40 and 45-year mortgages. I mean, do do you really want them? 
so the sorry, let me rephrase. The people that were getting them were getting them for their home mortgage, which was dumb. So dumb. Why would you get it for your your own mortgage? You're not paying down, you're not paying off your mortgage at all. Yeah. yeah like too much is going towards like in the beginning stages, too much is going towards interest. I think on your home mortgage, that's bad debt, right? It's bad debt for your home mortgage. So you want to pay that off faster. But for an investment property, obviously you want more you want more liquidity, more cash flow than you want paying down the mortgage. And it's actually kind of segues into something that Francis um, posted. I think it was yesterday. I don't know if Francis is here today. Have you seen her? I have not. She had a question saying fixed variable rates and trigger point reached. Mortgage no longer covering interest. So interest would be added back to principal. What do you do? Increase mortgage payment or pay lump sum? Wayne, can you explain that a bit? Because like I know the gist of what you're talking about, but you but like people who are new into real estate listening right now might be like, what the hell are you talking about? I read it. I read it while I was talking. And even even to me, it take I have to take a minute to process it. I think I know what we're talking about. But you know, when you have a variable rate and they set your mortgage payment originally up at say twelve hundred dollars. But it was based off of like a 1.89% um, interest rate, right? If interest rates go up to 7%, your interest, let's say now is $1,200 or $1,300 on your, on, your, on your mortgage. The mortgage payment that you set up originally is not sufficient enough in order to cover even the interest part of it now because interest rates went up so much, which is just not really happened in the last 20 years. So the bank is calling now and saying, hey, you've got a $1,200 payment that you know we are honoring, okay? We can't force you to change that payment. However, your interest now, now that your interest percent has gone up, your, your percent interest rate has gone up so much, your interest for your, your mortgage every month is $1,300. So your $1,200 is going directly towards interest and then the additional $100 is getting tacked onto your mortgage. So what do you do? So I just, so just to say that in different words, it's when you have a variable or adjustable rate, but they lock in your payment. So when interest rates rise or drop, your payment isn't rising or dropping with yes. it. So it's a locked in payment on a rate that's that's variable that's going up and down um so what do you do well it, and they well, call it a trigger point right when it reaches that point it's it's a, a trigger for them to say hey we need to do something here this this doesn't work yeah and, and to be completely honest like again never heard of this happening before we've never had interest rates jump yeah, so I think much it's just starting to happen now people are now talking about it because they're getting called they're getting phone calls from the bank now yeah, I've I've we've gotten um, phone calls um, from a couple of our lenders, um, or one of our lender that's that's basically telling us for all of our properties that we have with them that hey, just a heads up, like you know, as of right now, if you can you well you can keep your payments, but as of right now, if you you're set up on a thirty year amortization, okay, we set up your mortgage on a thirty year amortization, assuming you'd be paid off in thirty years. But if you don't change your payments right now, it's going to take 47 years to pay off this mortgage. 
I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> and they're like, you don't want to change it? I'm like, no, I'm good. They're like, you don't want to increase your payment? Nope. Okay, do you uh do you wanna do you wanna pay a lump sum at the you know every year? I'm like, nope, I'm good. So you uh, Mr. Hillier, you understand that it's gonna take you forty seven years to pay off this home. I said, This isn't a home. This is an investment property. This is a business. Yes, I understand that, Mr. Hillier, but if you don't pay it off, then how are you going to make any money off of this? I said, I'm making money every month. And I said, and please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not planning on seeing this through for the full 30 years or 47 years. This thing will be sold within the next eight years. So I'm not concerned about how long it's going to take me to pay off this loan. I will pay off the loan when I sell the property. Okay. The balance of the loan will be paid off when I sell it to my end buyer. And that might be my rent to own buyer. That might be the person that I just eventually sell it to it might be another investor. It doesn't matter. But when I, when I sell the property, they are going to be sending me money that will go towards paying off the underlying mortgage and I will collect the difference of the equity. Now, yes, I completely understand that based on these new interest rates, um, the amount going towards paying down my my loan, my principal pay down, is dramatically decreased. It's a short term problem. You know, none of us could have seen that. We're all we're all running into that problem in our real estate portfolios. We're not getting as much principal pay down anymore, so it's actually affecting our ROI. But I'm not going to increase my payments or add lump sums onto the mortgage to help me pay off the mortgage faster. Because the more I already told you just a second ago, my ROI is fucked right now because I'm my return is gone down because the interest rates went up. Okay. There's two ways, there's two values that are part of the equation for ROI. Okay. Return and your investment. My return has gone down because interest rates have gone up and less mortgage pay down. If I increase, if I add more money onto my payments, paying down the mortgage, I'm just increasing my investment, which is increasing on one side, but decreasing on the other side. So it's six and a half dozen. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to increase my investment, which is going to decrease my ROI. But at the same time, by increasing my investment, I'm also lowering my, sorry, increasing my return. So it ends up being the same. So why would I put more of my money in if it's just, if it's the same, same? Did I word that correctly enough for someone to understand that, Gabby? It was a little hard. Yeah. Think about the two values, okay, that, that determine your ROI. Your return divided by your investment will tell you your return on investment percentage. I do not want to add any extra money into this deal because if I increase my investment, it's going to lower my ROI my return on investment because my investment's going up and I'm still getting the same return. But by adding more money onto the mortgage, it's actually going to decrease my mortgage, which is going to increase my mortgage pay down. So my return will also go up at the same time. But if you look at both examples, the ROI is damn near almost exactly the same. Okay. So why would I put more money into it? for the exact same ROI. Doesn't make any sense. 
And if you're concerned about not paying down your mortgages, you have to understand that debt is a part of your business. You're always going to have debt in your business. It's the ROI that's most important. The money that I am putting in, the my partner's money that I'm putting in, what is my return, my percentage of return on their investment? Right? So I don't care that it's taking longer to pay off. Hey, interest rates might go back down in two to three years. I've got a variable interest rate. So my, my ROI will increase in a couple of years if that does happen. If it doesn't, then whenever, you know, I played the game and interest rates went up and my return went down. There's nothing I could do about that. Right. Yeah. But this whole trigger point thing, that's interesting. And that's something that I really hadn't thought too, too much about because again, no one's ever thought of it because it's never really quite happened except for maybe the nineties. Well, and we don't have anything like that. Like we don't have any, um, locked in rates with adjustable. Yeah, we do. Locked in with adjustable. I think so. Really? <sighs> no, uh, very, this is, this is variable. So are the payments are locked in CIBC mortgages or are they adjustable? I don't know, actually. No, I don't think no, they're, they're adjustable. Not, no. They're, they're locked in variable. Yeah. yeah. So we will hit a trigger point on those ones hmm. eventually. We must be getting close, but those ones are, those ones are commercial mortgages. Yeah. Um, so we paid a little bit higher, I, but I assume, I assume that we're probably going to hit a trigger point at some point, whatever it is, what it is. I'm not going to add more money into it. No. But, um, you know, what do you, what do we do with this information? Keep an eye on the comments. Mm -hmm. um, what do we do with this information? You know, yeah, it may affect us. What do we do when it happens? But also, you got to think about, like, if I'm dealing with this, who else is dealing with this? As an entrepreneur, I see a problem. Right? And I can focus on my problem and solving my problem, but I also need to look at who else is experiencing this problem. And how can I create a solution and to sell that solution as a business? It's quite, and, and luckily enough, you guys are catching this early. You guys are catching this on November 25th. And not many people have reached that trigger point yet. But if it's inevitably coming, and lots of people are going to be getting that notice from Scotia, TD, RBC, CIBC, BMO, ATB, that, hey, your variable rate mortgage has reached the trigger point and every payment you make is going to 100% interest and we're also tacking on an additional $100 onto your mortgage. So every month, your mortgage is actually going up by $100. Mm -hmm. I can just imagine some people are going to be like, fuck this shit. I may as well be renting. What the hell is the point of paying a mortgage payment if... 100% of my mortgage payment is going towards interest and plus my my mortgage, the money that I owe is going up by $100 every month. Fuck that shit. Yeah. Well, Wayne, aren't they, and I might be wrong because I haven't looked at this in depth, but aren't they requiring you to take action in some way? Not just saying, hey, this is what where you're at, just mm. an FYI. Aren't they saying you either need to do a lump sum or we need to adjust your payment amounts? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. 
because I that was my understanding as what was going on is they're calling and saying, "Hey, we need to do something about this. These are your options." Well, you'd have to look at your mortgage contract. Yeah. So Alan's saying, "Yes, I have to increase payment to the minimum of what they're now saying." Okay, and that that's a fixed variable. Yeah. So you you said, "Yeah, I agree to this rate that you're giving me. Fixed sounds great for the next five years." So this is just another example of like most people are thinking that they have to wait until their mortgage term is up and that's when their mortgage payments are going to go up. But people are actually realizing right now, even before their their mortgage term is up for variable, that their payments are going to be forced to go up. It's just adding more problems into the market that that needs solutions. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about two seconds ago before you spoke? That they're that people's um, in the case where they're now negative and it's being tacked onto their mortgage, they're saying, "Why oh, aren't I just renting?" Hundred yeah. percent. And you know, I mean, the logical response to that for someone who you know is logical would be, "Okay, well, increase your fucking payment." Yeah. I'm not increasing my payments. That's bullshit. Why should I have to increase my payments? You understand? Yeah. Just like the ignorant homeowner who doesn't want to, I can't afford to increase my payment. Yeah. The ig, so I'm referring to the ignorant homeowner who is not being forced by their bank to increase it. So there's two ignorant homeowners. There's two homeowners. There's, there's the one that's being forced to increase their payment. And they're like, I'm not increasing my payment. That's bullshit. I agreed to this. And there's the ignorant one that's the same kind of thing where like, this is bullshit. Why am I paying a mortgage payment and all of it going towards interest? And you're telling me my mortgage loan is going up every month? Mm -hmm. Screw this. Here, take the keys, right? I don't even have any equity in this property. I just bought it a few years ago, mm -hmm. right? There's My house has gone down in value. All of my payments are going directly towards it. And I'm supposed to be responsible for all the upkeep of this property. I might as well just rent. There's going to be a lot of ignorant people like that. And that's a lot of opportunities. Yep. Because their only options are to grab their ankles and take it or to just throw the keys at the bank and say, fuck this shit. And I could see a lot of people when with limited options like that, they're going to do something dumb and desperate. Especially if inflation continues to rise and affordability goes down. And they're thinking to themselves, like, I can't afford, I couldn't afford this mortgage payment before. Mm -hmm. Now you're telling me that you want to increase it? I can't do this. And what happens in two years when my term is up? You know, is what are my payments going to be? Yeah. They're telling them that their payments are going to be $800 more or next year it's going to be $800 more. In moments like that where people are desperate and they have limited options, they do dumb things. Mm -hmm. They don't think about their credit. They don't think about what insolvency, sorry, what um, foreclosure and bankruptcy will do. Space mat listening. Agreements for sale. Yeah. If you can find a way to market this, and you can't market it, so that's the interesting thing. If you could find a way to do clever marketing or find a way to reach those people before they do something dumb, if you can find a way to put a sign on their lawn that says, hey, before you throw the keys at the bank, call me. 
if you can find a way to reach those people before they do something dumb, you could give them a third option. And in situations like that where people are desperate, that third option can be very valuable to them. Okay. Because something to consider. As we as we start making our way, you know, around this corner and things start to change, it's 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 very rare that we get an opportunity to to see opportunities like this before they happen. A lot of times, like, it's just like, oh, wow, look at this. I never realized this. You know what I mean? It's very rare to have opportunities where you can see things before it could potentially happen. And you could be, you could start preparing. You can start taking the education. You can start taking the courses. You can start hiring a coach or a mentor to, to teach you how to do it, how to set up your marketing for this. How do I find these types of people? How do I, how do I, how do I pitch this to a seller or a homeowner? How do I, how do I structure my offer to them? How do I make it irresistible? How do I make them say yes? How many properties should I get? What should my exit strategy be? I'm here. Wayne's telling me to buy properties that are literally with zero mortgage pay down in a market that's flat. So there's like, there's no upside whatsoever. How do I make sure that this actually profits? How do I structure my exit strategy so that I can actually make money off of this? This is your opportunity right now. You have time. Some, it's definitely something to consider. Okay. We're at the one hour mark. Today's Friday. Goodness gracious. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's show. I am on my way to Calgary to go check in on our fix and flip project. We're just, things are just wrapping up and I want to make sure that everything's still on track. And um, well, they're supposed to be done a couple of days ago. So I got to go in there and crack the whip, but hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Uh, we will see you guys on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com.